Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. So this week was a weird text. Um, One sentence about Shirah, daughter of Ephraim, who built three cities. Yep. (laughs) Just like, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Yep. I was was dreaming off into... Uh, my days of He-Man action figures and Skeletor. So I looked up to see where she got her name from. She references the power. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's after the um, uh, the sun god Ra in eh, Egyptian nobody mythology. Nobody would have known. So as she Ra as in like a, a she god kind of thing. So not the same thing. But okay. it would have been cool. I was like, ooh, okay, so they named this after the city builder in the Bible. That would be awesome. No. I, I mean, it's a shot in the dark. I, I mean, here's a reality. Like, to most superhero pop culture-y type things aren't... Aren't that deep. Aren't tied to scripture. No, no, they're not. But I thought for a minute, you know, might have been cool, but... So, yeah, scripture, scripture and pop culture... Maybe not so much. So I originally didn't even have this on the slate for women of Scripture to talk about um, until I said I was doing a, a series on women in Scripture and our deacon um, emailed me and was like, are you putting this the woman who built all the cities in? And I was like... Hadn't really considered her, but <laughs> thanks, Cheryl. <laughs> um, and I was like, man, one sentence. How am I gonna? How am I gonna? You know, deal with this. And thank goodness for a, a wonderful theologian named Will Gaffney. Will Gaffney. Um, Isn't there a comedian named Gaffney? You're thinking Jim Gaffigan. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but, theologian and comedian, I mean, it's easy to get them confused. <laughs> Will Gaffney, she um, apparently had, had done research on, on this, uh, this very obscure one-sentence woman in the Bible, and I found a whole bunch of information via, via Will Gaffney about Shira. So I was like, hey, I can make a sermon out of this. <laughs> um, and digging into the Hebrew, of course, I personally, I loved the, the whole listen, um, listen to Shira. The Uzen Shira that she named her, her third city after herself saying, just listen to Shira. Listen to me. I know what I'm doing. Um, and clearly she did, because, man, those, at least the other two cities, they're still, they're still kind of there. I mean, 3,000 years later, we, we still have the foundations. So that's what amazes me um, about building and architecture and um, engineering and all that stuff. So we have, like, we have like amazingly modern um, advancements like in all aspects of, of life. 
yet, you know, so many, you know, the Colosseum and, and all of those, you know, I mean, I guess, do we, do we refer to those as ruins? Um, you have so many architectural feats that happened like thousands of years ago that are still evident. Now, are they operable? In most cases, not really. But the fact that there's still any semblance of... What they once were. What they once were, that, that, that astounds me. Like, for instance, you know, the ancient roads. I mean, have you driven on, like, like in, in this country, have you driven on our... So I'm from Pennsylvania, which is notorious for the worst roads, some of the worst roads in the country. Like, why could they figure it out then and we can't figure it out now? Well, and to be fair, those roads maybe you aren't going to want to drive on necessarily. Ag agreed, but let's yeah. be honest. I mean, yeah, no, they've they've lasted they've they've, they've lasted the test of time. Um, at this, roads, you know, and and either. as we're sitting here talking, we're looking out our window at the gutter guys, um, yeah. who are you know putting new gutters. I mean, it's it's amazing hold, how hold, quickly hold. you can't call them the gutter guys. Because the Gutter Guys is actually a company. Yes, I know. I've actually used them. And this is TK Gutters. Yeah, so, I just mean the Gutter People. Okay, right. That, right, but we, right. We don't want to false advertise. No false advertising. It's not the Gutter Guys. It's not the Gutter Guys. So um, this TK is, Gutters. This is gutter Peoples. Right. Um, but it, it just kind of, <laughs> as we're sitting here talking about things that last, and, and we're sitting here looking at the gutters coming, and they're having to replace them because ours are... are falling apart. No, ours were holy. Ours were what? Our, we had holy gutters. Holy gutters, yes. Holy we had gutters. very holy gutters. Yes. Um, but it, it's amazing how quickly things fall into disrepair when they aren't kept up um, or they aren't being used or even when they are being used, how quickly, I mean, you know, we, we've had to how many times do you have to put a new roof on? Um, you know, the, I know the recommendation is like once every, what, 12 years or something? Well, it depends on the, on the material. Yeah. So, um, but so your home, your home is like once every 12 years. Yeah, so our, the FDC was built 20 to 25 years ago, and we just had to put a and new And for roof those on. listening, the FDC is our faith development yep. center, sort of like a fellowship hall. Yep. <laughs> Big building back at campus. 20, 25 years ago it was built and just put a new roof on it last year. So. Right. But still, the point being, I yeah. mean, that's, that's a really small amount of time. Yeah. And when you think of history and things like that, and it's like, oh, well, within 20 years, our, our roof is done. Yep. Um, and if you don't do anything about it, it's going to eventually collapse and a few things like that. So the fact that some of these ancient structures, I mean, still obviously they don't have roofs anymore because roofs go bye-bye really fast. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that these foundations and the, the, a lot of the pillars and things like that are still standing is really um, kind of a testament to the uh, ingenuity and engineering of of past civilizations that managed to keep the stuff up, so to speak. And, and um, maybe, the pr maybe the materials used as well. <laughs> that's 
entirely possible. I mean, and I mean, well, I mean, just look at. Oh goodness! I mean, I mean, this is such a monstrosity, though. But like, you know, the pyramids have been standing there for thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're a little worn. If you've ever actually been to them, um, seen them up close and personal, you you see how kind of worn and whatever they are. But they still they're still standing, and pretty much in their their basic form that they're supposed to be in. Um, but yeah, it's it just it's it's fascinating how. And and I also I, I think about the fact that they frequently would build on top of other buildings and foundations and things like that where they just kind of, you know, you can, archaeologists, they dig down to find out how many, you know, cities and stuff are actually underneath the city that already exists, blah, 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 blah. I think of our modern context of when we decide we're done with something. We don't build on top of it. We tear the whole thing down. I mean, completely remove it and start over, um, in most cases. <laughs> I mean, I suppose a few times the, the foundation they go ahead and keep and they just rebuild around it. But most of the time, it's they... they so, case in point, there was a 7-Eleven that used to be on the corner over um, on Canner and uh, Monterey, uh, locally here, uh, across from the Wawa. There was a 7-Eleven that was there. And, like, almost overnight, that 7-Eleven just disappeared. Like, the whole building went away, and it became just a vacant lot. And then they went and they built a car wash. But I just remember going, holy cow. They just, like, you would never have known there was a 7-Eleven there. Ever. It just, it just went away. <laughs> just disappeared yeah and i mean we be, we've become a, a disposable culture yeah including our buildings so think of think of televisions <laughs> right they used to be these huge things and they used to have like tv repairmen well now oh my tv died gotta go buy a new one i mean that it and, and that's and that's something in in our lifetime that's kind of transpired. Oh, this idea yeah. that TVs are just kind of disposable, and I mean, and much better picture, and you know, not as heavy, and all those things. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, like it's. It, I think that's it, that partially speaks to the rapidness of the rapidness of change. Um, yeah, it used to be like the tube went bad, and, and so they would, you would buy new tubes for your TV, and yeah. that's not a thing anymore. Nope. No more Gone. tubes. No more tubes for the TV. No. Um, but no, yeah, it just, it, it kind of struck me, you know, that 3,000 years later, those, those cities, we still, are still there, and... I mean, they're obviously not occupied in the same way and, and, and whatnot, but the fact that those foundations are still present in a modern-day city that's kind of built around them. Yeah. Um, now, look, I mean, being in Florida, in South Florida, you know, we have you know, those things called hurricanes. Um, 
and you look at, at the effects that something like, like natural disasters have in wiping clean a landscape. Um, now, clearly, Egypt, Rome, they're not, they don't have hurricanes. But, I mean, they have weather. They have, they have events that you know, these, these structures have, have kind of withstood. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point here in Florida, I mean, we're, we're, in, we're in a place, we're in a, we're in a location where not only is everything disposable, but um, I will say we resign ourselves to the fact that it's possible. Because I mean, you make you know, there's building codes and stuff like that to try and try and secure, you know, property in the midst of hurricanes. But you know, again, within the last ten, well, less if we're going to count the Panhandle. Um, I can't even remember her. One of the things that astounds me about people in Florida is their ability to remember the names of hurricanes and what happened with which hurricane. And maybe yeah. I haven't maybe I haven't been in Florida long enough to remember, you know, hurricanes and and what transpired during them. Um, but though you know, whichever one hit the Panhandle and wiped out the Panhandle, um, you know, I mean, completely wiped clean the landscape. Yeah. You know, like poof. Well, I. Years ago, there, I, I don't know if it was like on the History Channel or on the National Geographic Channel, one of those channels, um, the, they did a special kind of like, um, if, if humanity were to no longer, like were just to suddenly disappear, how rapidly um, nature would take over. And I mean, it was it was really rather stunning how how quickly uh, na- nature just finds its way into all the stuff we make and and reclaims it. Was this a positive thing or a negative thing? Was it posed as a positive or a negative? I don't know that it was supposed to be either. Okay. Um, I think it was just sort of a this is fascinating kind of thing where if if we let nature do its thing, this is how quickly it would take back over the earth. Because <laughs> my initial thought was... Because oh, it was well, like within, within like less than 100 years, it had pretty much reclaimed a huge chunk. I mean, like some buildings and stuff are still standing, um, you but... Watch, you watch some weird crap. They're covered. And this was, this was, oh my goodness, years ago. Um, trying to remember even when I watched that. Okay, so you've always watched some weird crap. Oh, I've always, yeah, I've always been fascinated by that. Because you know, when you were when you were talking about that, I was thinking, oh, so what did we see during COVID? During COVID, and yeah. you know, the, you how know, quickly it cleaned up waterways, kind of kind of clear, clearing up a little bit. Um, actually, that a little bit, pretty pretty dramatically, um, because of lack of because of less less movement and less stuff going on, um, which you know, for me, is kind of a reminder of you know the toll that that humanity puts on creation. And then when you put that in the context of, you know, what humanity's biblical role in creation is supposed to be, you oof. Like if we're supposed to be stewards of God's creation, caretakers of God's creation, and when we engage less, <laughs> we help God's creation, what does that say? Yeah. Um, it... it, it. Yeah, it's it's just interesting how you know um, 
to me just how quickly it, it would revert back. No pollution, um, you know, animals back to kind of <laughs> doing their thing. Um, you know, if, I, I guess that's, you know, I, I'm even looking at, you know, things like, I mean, I would assume things like the pyramids would maybe still be there. I mean, I know we actively now kind of try to keep them preserved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think those are colossal enough, they'd probably still, but eventually, you know, wind and erosion and stuff like that's gonna, gonna take them down too. Um, I mean, the Grand Canyon was the Grand Canyon until nature took its course. Yeah, and, and a river took its course. I right. mean, that was all carved out by a river. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you, you think about that for, for a minute, it's, it really is kind of, kind of fascinating. Um, just like I said, but so, which of course got me kind of on the, on the question of, you know, what, what are we building? What do we build? And obviously I'm looking not at um, physical structures. I'm looking more at faith communities and, and things like that. And what are, you know, what do we build that, that lasts and continues? Um, you know, the, the enduring presence of, of so many, not, not just Christianity, but of religion in general, um, especially in an era where people are kind of eh on religion across the board. Or, you know, it's continuing to kind of decline, whatever. And at the same time, it still has this enduring quality to it. Well, I, think, I think the difference, for me, the difference in that statement is the definition of, of religion, right? So I think the organized part of it, people are very, many people are oof, because of all the ways in which the organized parts of religion has um, not been healthy. Right. And not been helpful for everyone. So you have a segment that's like, yeah, no thanks. But if you, um, th there's a category, and I don't remember the polling number, of spiritual but not religious. Meaning, yeah, like I have, I have some faith in, in, in something. It's not always defined. For the sake of this conversation, we'll say faith in Christianity, faith in Jesus. Um, yeah, I have faith. But I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Which says to me that you know it's not the it's not the Jesus part, it's not the faith part, it's the issue, it's the institution and how the institution lives out right. that faith that is problematic. Right. But, and and I'm sure that's probably what's driving the the rise in, you know, the past fifteen years of, of atheism. Right. Of of not just, you know, non spiritual, non, you know, that kind of stuff. But and of course, I always get kind of the 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 world religions person in me me always kind of kind of giggles and laughs at the spiritual but not religious, and I'm like, okay, well, spirituality is just the inner dimension of religion, 
So, I mean, it's still religious. It's just what they mean is the institution of religion. Um, and don't want to have anything to do with that. But, you know, the people have rejected the whole thing. And, I mean, that continued, continues to rise. But I think that is also in response to how institutional religions have behaved. Right. And um, their, their dogmas and some of the harm they cause and, and things like that. And I think that that's part of my, my angst <laughs> um, with Christianity because Christianity should not be a religion of harm. It sh just should not be. And yet, it frequently is. It's frequently used to, to harm all kinds of people. I mean, it's supposed to be a, a religion that encompasses and brings in the marginalized, and yet that seems to be who it tends to hurt the most. Um, which, you know, kind of the opposite of what... <laughs> yeah, my, my, my religion for dummies, religion 101, is all religions boil down to one thing. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. I, I mean, they all have some element of, of caring for your neighbor yeah. in, involved. And then, and then you start getting particular about what that looks like. Um, and all the other stuff then that, that kind of surrounds it and, and ex exclusivity claims and, and things like that. But yeah, at their core, most religions have, you know... <laughs> You know, even Confucius had, had the, the, the some form of the golden rule kind of thing. Yep. Um, you know, don't do to others things you don't want done to you kind of idea. Um, and, yeah, they all, they all sort of have that. But so I, I look around and say, okay, so what, what are we building? That was the question I asked. I didn't answer it. I just asked the question in the sermon, what are we building? What, what are we building that will be enduring? Um, recognizing we do, have, we do have Jesus as our foundation. And, and that foundation, even though we've had a lot of garbage built on top of it <laughs> for the past 2,000 years, um, there's still that enduring foundation of when you kind of clear a lot of that stuff away that base is still there. And, and how do we build into the future with that foundation? And, and how do we know what to keep and how do we know what needs to be torn down? Yeah. Again, I think it's... I, I really feel like we complicate things. We try to make things more complicated than they are. Um, and, and, and part of that is because of script, what Scripture is, right? So Scripture is not, is not one book that we read from beginning to end. That's not what Scripture is. Scripture, no. scripture is a library of books, yeah. and there's no... A compilation. Yeah, so, so there's so any... Let, let's talk music, right? So pick your favorite artist, right? So... Whoever it is, every artist, if they have a compilation CD, we used to be CDs and box sets. I don't, what do they do now? I guess they. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing 
you kind of, I mean, you just download you do playlists. You download the compilation. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do so, playlists. So okay, you download so you download a playlist yeah. of 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 pick an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, like I want to listen to to Led Zeppelin songs and yeah. Okay, fine. Led Zeppelin. So if you take Led Zeppelin from the very first Led Zeppelin um, would have been album then. Um, One. <laughs> and take it so to they their... They just numbered their albums. One, two, three, four. Yeah. To their latest, their last one, there's going to be an evolution. There's going to be a difference. There's going to be a change. They're not going to be the same. Right. right. So Christine and I are watching, I don't even know what it's called, something about pop music or pop something. I don't know. The one we watched the other day was, a, was the influence of Sweden um, in pop culture, pop music in the United States. It's really, it's actually pretty interesting. Um, but l- the evolution of music, you know, is, is probably a really good example if you want to compare music and scripture of how, you know, one song, one album is not the same, but they're similar, right? They're all tied together, but they're not the same. They're individually different. Um, you have the same artist, but it's different sound. So when you pull when you pull scripture together, I I feel like we make it really complicated. It's not to devalue other books of the Bible, but I get frustrated because at the end of the day, we're Christian. We're Christian. So for me, the authoritative texts are the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's not to say that. The Old Testament should be completely thrown out. That's not to say Paul's letters should be thrown out. You know, and no, the book of Revelation should not be thrown out. You're welcome. Um, but at the end of the day, if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna look into, if I'm gonna discern what scripture has to say about something, at the end of the day, I'm I'm gonna kind of lean towards Jesus. Right. Because like we're we're Christians. Well, and the weird part about that is you say, well, you know, not to throw out the Old Testament, blah, 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 but you got to remember Jesus is God's, like, instruction or Torah incarnate kind of, you know. So, yep. I mean, it, it's not throwing it out from the standpoint Correct. of, if you, there, there was a, I can't remember the name of the rabbi, but there was a rabbi who notably made the comment one time, you know, if you had to... Uh, uh, he, he was told to like stand on one leg and recite the entire Torah, and so he went love your neighbor and sat back down and, because he was like that's that's the Torah, <laughs> you know. Um, care care for your neighbors, care care for the people around you, and that summed up Torah. Right. And you know you can get into all of the the nitty-gritty little details of the law and, and things like that. But ultimately, the whole point was to care about other people. Yeah. yeah. So, so to clarify, so like Leviticus, you shouldn't eat shellfish, right? Yeah. Um, now, if I go to a restaurant and I'm like, man, I think I'm hungry for some shrimp. I think Jesus has me covered. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, I'm, I'm I'm fairly sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, all the purity laws and and those kinds of things. 
and if you really start digging into that stuff, there, there, there were reasons for it right. at the time. There were, there were health reasons, there were ethical reasons, there were, you know, all kinds of, um, you know, reasons in, in terms of, of cleanliness, and it was, you know, this whole idea of just kind of being set apart, of, yeah. of this, this holy nation that was set apart and... and, and kind of and it's interesting because on the one hand you know when we look at christianity it's like well are we still you know that set apart people um and that kind of yes and no from the standpoint of god calls us to be different than what the world is like (laughs) Um, and at the same time, we are to be very, very engaged in the world and to be doing things that, um, you know, probably would, would be frowned upon in certain contexts and uh, by, by certain people's views and laws and, and things like that because it, it, it flies in the face of what they think is either proper or you know, um, holy or something yep. along those lines. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, again, it just kind of, it kind of boils down to, for me, ultimately, it's about what's harmful. And there are harmful behaviors, and there are harmful behaviors you can do that affect only you, and, you know, maybe God doesn't want you doing those either because, you know, they do hurt you in some fashion, whether it's physically or mentally. Um, and at the same time, what are the things that are harmful to people around you? And what do we do to mitigate that? And how do we protect that? I kind of feel like we always... <laughs> it's weird. I kind of feel like we always wind up with that answer or question, you know, whenever we're doing anything that we talk about with scriptures, it always seems to boil down to the love your neighbor thing. Like we went through all of our podcasts and sermons and whatever, uh, you know, how often does it always get steered back towards the love your neighbor thing? So, so yesterday we had our preschool open house, meet the teacher, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I welcome the parents. And one of the things I said, I said, so I said, my philosophy with, the, with our early learning center is, is pretty simple. I want you as a parent, when you drop off your kid, your child, to know that while your child is here, they will be loved. My philosophy with the teachers is, listen, I want you to love these kids. Because if the, kids, if, if the kids feel loved and you feel that they're loved, that's a healthier environment for the kids. If the kids are here and they feel loved and they feel supported, guess what? They're going to learn because mm-hmm. kids are like sponges. And if you just love on them, they're going to learn. And if we can create an environment where there's love, guess what? The kids are going to flourish. We do chapel. Guess what chapel's about? Chapel when we do chapel with your children, the message is generally speaking, 
God and Jesus love you, and God and Jesus want you to love each other and yourself. Like, that's, like, that's kind of my, my early learning center chapel philosophy and early learning center philosophy in general. Like, can we do more things in the spirit of love? Because if we, if, if we can answer that question, yes, and we can build, go back to the building theme, if we can build off of, off of a foundation of love, we'll be so much further ahead. And I think one of the reasons the church has declined, the church is in ruins, again, keep the building theme, is that the church, capital C, has gotten away... They've lost that vision. ...from love, yeah. Yeah. right? We've gotten, you know, it's... it's for, for some, some segments of, of Christianity, it's been about judgment and condemnation and, and not... And now it's also about political power. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, and, and not love. Yeah. And, and, and not political power so you can love people better. Right. It, it's just power for the sake of power because yeah. we want to be in control. Yeah. Um, and I... Yeah, I... I, I and, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I th- I'm, I'm not sure growing up in a Christian household that love your neighbor, even going to, ch- you know, we went to church, we went to, I don't know that that message was ever pounded home. It, it honestly, I th- it took me going to seminary to really kind of get that that was the crux of the Bible. In the gospel. Yeah. I mean, I got the whole, well, yeah, sure, Jesus loves you, blah, blah, blah. We got that. But that our calling is to now care for our, the people around us, I did not, I, I really don't think I ever got that. There was so much emphasis on just your individual spirituality, your individual um, faith, your individual devotion to to doing doing the the Jesus thing, which you know, looking back, I'm like, I'm not even sure what that was. <laughs> I, I would I would agree with that. I do not think that, and, and I, I I'll be perfectly honest. My my upbringing was not deeply steeped in faith. Um, my I, my mother was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, I went I went to, on the week I was so my parents were divorced. So on every other weekend, so the weekends I was with my dad. Um, we would go. We would go to church. Um, I can't say I particularly liked it, but I went. Right. Um, and so I, I can't say that I'm particularly. My my upbringing was particularly steeped in faith, but I, I agree. Like I, I don't recall, you know, through confirmation and through all those things, that faith was was something that was just paramount, or I mean, loving your neighbor was paramount to what, the, to what my religious, my faith experience was. I, I just, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember that. I had the same experience, you know, until I got, until, until I went back, started going to church again in my adulthood and went to seminary. For me, that's when it really crystallized. Like, wait a minute. Right. Like, this really... This really boils down to, you know, caring for, for each other in, in, a, in a different way than what the world does. So, so here's the scary part about that. Um, 
I went to seminary with a really good understanding of Scripture. I shouldn't say understanding. I went in with a, a huge knowledge of Scripture. Um, our, our, first, our first year, you're supposed to take what's called the Bible proficiency exam, which is uh, basically in order for you to move on to your, quote, middler year, um, you, you have to pass with like an 80%. And you have the whole year to pass this. You know, you, you just have to do it before, before the end of the year, um, before you can register for classes for the following year. I took it my second week, got 100, because I was like, man, you know, I know scripture. And I'm going to freely admit I knew it, but I don't think I fully understood well, That's what it. I was going to say. There's, there's knowing scripture and there's knowing scripture. Right. So we have, we have many people, and we've encountered many people who can spit out scripture. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and we get this a lot. You're not teaching your confirmation students to memorize, Bob? Nope. You know why? Because that memorization doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean you understand it or you can apply it. So I don't care if you can memorize Scripture. Nope. Doesn't matter. Can you apply? Because we have a lot of people who can memorize Scripture or know, quote, air, air quote, know Scripture, but they don't necessarily know Scripture which is why, which I, I think is why the church, capital C, is, is where it is. Yeah. Because it, we don't really... They don't have the foundation of the basic concepts. And, and, I, and I say that with, um, like I said, I mean, I think there are a lot of people out there that would say, of course I know it, and of course I have the, the basic concepts. I, so I would take the S off of that and say basic concept. Right. I, okay. I mean, Correct. If, because, I mean, if we could just get them to one basic concept, love your neighbor, which we've kind of discussed, kind of bo everything boils down to for the most part. If we could just get people to understand that basic concept, oh, yeah, I do love my neighbor, as they're, you know, advocating against... Something, their neighbor. Something. Yeah. Um, in our community, advocating against a homeless shelter because it lowers my property value, for instance. Right. Well... Is that loving your neighbor? No, it's loving your property. Oh, that's loving. Love of money. Right. We print, in, we print in God we trust in the God we so trust. So I saw today a question. It was really, it, I, I, I kind of had to laugh because I was like, are you, are you seriously asking that question? Um, it was, don't people matter more than money? And I'm like, have you lived in this country? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the answer to that nine times out of ten, unfortunately, is going to be no. Money wins out, which is why, again, that's kind of the number one thing Jesus tends to rail against yep. is, is that whole our love of money thing because it is the one major stumbling block and thing that gets in the way of doing what? Caring for our neighbor. Well, how much is that going to cost me? What, what's, you know, what's, what's the monetary value I put on caring for my neighbor? And as soon as we reduce things to monetary values, 
the value of the human being gets lost. Well, we, and we, we talked about this. I, don't, I think it was in the podcast. I don't know. I know we've talked about it. And I, I don't want to debate the issue or talk about the issue, but one of the, we've both read, and read articles and heard statements um, of people saying the pro-life movement is easy because the unborn require nothing. Correct. Right? There's no demands on us from the unborn. It's not until someone's born that... That, that be, then, then that, we need to actually care for them. Right, that, we, that they become... I'm going to use a problem in air quotes, not really a problem, but then it's something we actually have to deal with in, in tangible ways that, oh, then money does come into play. Again, not debating pro-life, not debating pro-choice. No, but... Not, not but having that conversation. But in terms, of, in terms of loving your neighbor... Um, it, we're talking. We're talking intangible ways, not in theory, not in, um, in 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 like actual tangible ways that manifest themselves. You know, loving your neighbor can't just be, um, aw, like that's nice. Aw, I mean that's like, smiling at people and being kind to people is nice. But well, it's, if it's, you're being kind to someone and smiling at them, and then sticking it to them, you know, at a county commissioner meeting where you're, oh, that poor homeless, the poor homeless family. And then, no, I don't, nope, no homeless shelters in Martin County. Nope, nuh-uh. Well, that all is really disingenuous. Well, and even with the, you know, the, the point you brought up where it, it's, okay, so we, we value um, the unborn, um, do we value the mother who's carrying that unborn enough to make sure she gets the proper medical care and right. everything else to make sure that that baby when it's born is healthy and cared for and things like that? And that's where we just kind of yeah. fail yeah. miserably. Yeah. As we say, okay, well, that life's really important, but it's not important enough for me to make sure yeah. that the health concerns are taken care of. So that, that's, that's where the whole thing falls apart for yeah, me. Yeah, my, my, my definition of pro-life is much different than the pro-life movement's definition yes. of pro-life. Yeah. I, um, I, I like to consider myself pro-life from the standpoint of, of all life. <laughs> you know, and, and... Where's the all lives matter movement and the pro-life matter movement? Where does that overlap? Yeah. Let's do a Venn diagram. You know what a Venn diagram is, people? Yeah, the circle. Look up Venn diagram. <laughs> I love Venn diagrams. Yeah, they're fun. I'm a visual person, so like that's what. Oh, oh wait a minute, that's how. Oh, that overlaps. Oh yeah, look at that. Uh, Isn't that funny? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it, like I said, I, I still I, I still find it just I think so so telling about what we preach and what we teach that I spent 28 plus years of my life, um, even more than that, it had to have been, because I didn't go to seminary until I was almost probably 32. Um, but those, you know, those first 32 years of my life were not getting that love your neighbor was really the crux of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so, religion fascinated me. It, you know, I, I love Jesus. He was like, you know, awesome, you know. But I also feared Jesus a little bit, to be honest, because you know, I, I had, I, I had been been raised with, unfortunately, 
my, my mother never intended this. They never put this on me. It was something I, I got in church. <laughs> um, was I learned to kind of fear, fear God, fear Jesus kind of thing through, through things like rapture and blah, blah, blah. Um, that there's this, this kind of desire to, to smite and go to hell and, you know, send you to, you know, those things if you, you step the wrong way or whatever. I, I always appreciated my mom just whenever I would bring these fears to her or whatever, she'd just kind of look at me funny and be like, oh, just believe you'll be fine. And <laughs> Say by grace through faith. Which, you know, I love my mother's faith in that, like, regard. But at the same time, I can definitely say, um, on the one hand, my father was a doctor, so my father clearly cared about people, cared about caring for people. And yet, I also saw very much um, a privilege inherent in don't associate with those people. Mm -hmm. Don't associate with that group that was still very much a part of my upbringing. Right. So mine too, without the religious side of it, right? So mine was not necessarily religious-based. So isn't that kind of sad that growing up in, in a fairly religious environment... We both got the same we message. We both got the same message. That is just wrong. Like it is, like, I understand why I got the message. Like, right. and, and particularly for, for, for my upbringing, it was people of color. My family, again, not my parents so much, but like grandparents, particularly my grandfather, like racist. Like just racist, like blatantly racist. Um, and so that's, but again, growing up in a faith, that's a, that's a huge, huge, huge problem in the church that someone um, growing up of faith and someone growing up with much less faith mm -hmm grow up with the same message. Yeah. Now, now, admittedly, I was not, like, enmeshed in, in the religious world. Like, Correct. I look at some of these people who, um, I, I never went through confirmation. I, but, you I, were I pretty, but you were pretty regular. Yeah, my, my yeah. mom, we, we went to church um, very regularly because we were, <laughs> we were friends with the pastor. Yeah. Um, my dad would go hunting. We would go watch football. You know, we'd get together for football games yeah. with, with the pastor and his family. We were, we were really close. Um, our, our two families got, you know, were, were, were really close until he wound up kind of getting pushed out of the church that we were in, which we then left. Um, which oddly enough, so, so here's why we, we, we wound up having to leave that church. You know what this church was upset about? It was getting too big. There were too many people coming. Oh, Lord. I kid you not. I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> that, that was, and that was kind of part of how he got, he got pushed. That, and, and I think there was a baptism thing that happened where he wouldn't do a particular baptism, and that made some people mad. And I'm not going to get into to I, that. But, I, you know. I, I, unfortunately, like, that is a thing. Yeah. Why, what my church, my church. Well, if those people come in, that's not my church anymore. Right. Um, which is a, uh, this which is, is a, a small little rural Nebraska, yeah. you know, it was, it was technically non-denominational, but the pastor was Methodist. Yeah, we, so I mean, so I mean, we had a Methodist bent. I mean, we, we had some, we had a family at my previous call that that was their church. And they had no problem telling you it was their church. Yeah. And, and like, so uh, from that point forward, we kind of church hopped for a while 
Um, when my parents got married, my, my mother's one stipulation for my dad was, you're going to go to church with me. That was like her one request. She was like, I don't care about it. <laughs> you know, she's like, but I, I, it's very important to me that we go to church. And so he did, and his one stipulation was, it can't be Lutheran, because that's yeah. what she was. That's funny. Yeah. So we were doing all kinds of, we were going to Methodist, Presbyterian, you know. Now, my mother had this huge aversion to the Holy Rollers, <laughs> because her mother came out of that, and her mother had a huge aversion to it, which is why her mother, like, was Lutheran. Um, <laughs> Because she was like, oh, man. She goes, I came out of that stuff. And no, 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 no. We're not doing that. Um, so eventually when my dad kind of gave up on the whole church thing, my mom was like, fine. If you're not going to go with me, I'm going back to the Lutheran church. So yeah. from about, for me, from about like the age of, I want to say 15 on, we went to the Lutheran church. So I never really got, because it was during that time of being 10 to about 15 when you're usually involved in some kind of like confirmation youth group sort of thing, I didn't really do that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I was kind of left to fend for myself in that regard. And um, then I, I continued, my brother and my dad stopped going to church. I went with my mom more out of guilt than anything else because I felt bad for her. <laughs> um, but, I mean... It did, there was something there that kind of kept, obviously, that sort of kept working in my life. Um, even if the message I was getting maybe wasn't the message I should have been getting. Right. It is interesting to look back and go, huh, that's how I got here. Yeah. Right? Like, weird. Yeah. God works in funny ways. Oh, very. And... Like I said, I just, I know that that was not, you know, the whole, the whole love your neighbor thing as a foundation. You know, we say the foundation is Jesus. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I don't know that a lot of people really ask that question. What does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be the foundation upon which you build your faith? What does that look like? Um, is it a, because I think all too often it becomes a militant kind of thing of, um, you build this foundation on Jesus and everything now has to revolve around your belief in Jesus and being saved from hell. I think that kind of becomes the, 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 I, I think that's, that's, the primary message I got was it was being saved from, from hell, right, which eternal is really, torment. Which is really funny because like the Lutheran bumper sticker is saved by grace through faith, right. right? So why are we teaching the hell? Why, why, do, why are people picking up, especially in the Lutheran church, why are people picking up the save from hell part if it's saved by grace through faith? Like, because what are you saved from? I am saved by grace through faith from what? I guess. And nine times out of ten, that answer is going to be from hell. So why well, believe, well, I don't want to go to hell when I die. And yes. I've discovered for a lot of people that just isn't a good enough, <laughs> that isn't a good enough response for them anymore. Um, that that just doesn't 
doesn't resonate. Um, because strangely enough, having faith in something out of fear isn't usually a really good reason to have faith. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm like, so what does it mean when we say we build our foundation on Christ? And what that has become for me is that means that foundation is rooted in love for myself and for others. And, you know, I think it's really hard to love other people when you don't love yourself. And I think we have a lot of that going on, of, of yep. self-loathing that makes it really hard to, to really care about and love other people. So those are the, those foundations. All from, you know, all this from, from this one little sentence about Shira who built three cities. Yeah, I, <laughs> which we talked often about. Which what? We talked nothing about. But hey, you know, whatever. Well, I mean... We yeah, did yeah, we did. Out. We talked about the, the, yeah. the whole foundation part because that's, yeah. to me, that, that's sort of what... That ser- you know, that's, that's the sermon that came out of that one little, little bit. Um, but yes, also the fact that, hey, there's this woman and she built three cities and that was really kind of amazing for her day and age for a woman to, to accomplish that. Yeah. Um, and like I said, and the chronicler mentions it for a reason. And because clearly the chronicler thought that was kind of important and was, was pretty spectacular as well. Lots of people built cities. Um, but he's like, I'm going to take note of this, this lady because, yeah, that was something. Yep. So. All right. Well, that's our time, I think, for today. So um, next week we get woman wisdom from Proverbs. Yeah. Standing at the gates calling for justice. (laughs) That's what she does. We shall see where that goes. (laughs) Pastor Chad's preaching this weekend, so we're going to see what he does with uh, uh, the text on on woman wisdom and her her standing in the city gates. (laughs) Yep. Being the part of creation. All right, so we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.